amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It's Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. Well, we are less than a week away from the midterm elections, which, of course, are generating incredible interest across the country. Senate races, House races, control of Congress, control of the Senate, control of the House of Representatives. Uh, what will in, what impact will the results next Tuesday have on uh, President Biden's decision to run or not run for re-election? He turns 80 later this month. So there's so much to talk about. But here in Massachusetts, we also have four ballot questions. And the one that seems to be generating, if not the most interest, at least the most amount of money, uh, is the question one, the so-called millionaire's tax. Uh, joining me now uh, is someone uh, who I read very regularly and who I really respect in the Boston Globe, uh, Shirley Leung. Uh, Shirley, I didn't get a chance to talk with you early today, but I am a big fan of your work. Uh, it's I know the business page is a page that maybe a lot of people don't go to often, but I'll tell you, you do a great job as the business columnist of the Boston Globe. Welcome Thank to Night Time. I think it's the first time we've Thank had a chance you. to talk. <laughs> I, I just, we're trying to think. We might have, did we talk during Boston 2024? We might have, I can't you know, remember I now. We, we might have one, one yeah. other time. <laughs> I think we <laughs> might have. Time. Uh, but but this, column, this column this morning really kind of put the, the millionaire's tax question in focus for me. There's a lot of money that's being spent here. Um, I, I, you, you did the work. You did the research. Break it down for us. We have the yes side, which is in favor of the millionaire's tax, which would increase people's taxes on anything in excess of a million dollars from the flat rate of 5%, which we have in Massachusetts, it would bump up, it would change the state constitution and move it up to 9% for income over a million dollars. And I know there's a lot of questions about if people sell a business, if they sell their home and what can they take off and all of that. But I think we can just keep it simple in terms of what the uh, the, the proposal would do if if passed, but I'm fascinated by how much money uh, is being spent and where it's coming from. So you you did the work. Break it down yeah. for us, if you will, please. Yeah. So so um, uh, you know, as with campaigns, uh, you know, they have to file uh, with the state campaign finance office how much they're spending and how much money they're raising, um, and um, and and they're. Uh, for the, your audience, I mean, they've probably seen all the the ads on TV, right? The question one ads, and that all costs money on both yes. sides. And yes. so, I was very curious, you know, um, how much money is we, we've been reporting? My colleague John Chester's been reporting, kind of the, the big numbers, right, uh, for both the yes side and no side. And we and for a while, the yes side has been outspending the no side. Um, and uh, and I knew the teachers, the Massachusetts Teacher Association, that's the union uh, that represents. Uh, public Public school teachers and also at college, uh, public colleges and universities. Um, they, they, my my colleague had reported a six million dollar check a few weeks ago, 
And uh, but then when I did the numbers, I was like, oh, they've given much more than six million dollars. Uh, I think it's um, closer to uh, did I say thirteen thirteen million dollars? I think I said. I got to look. Yeah, thirteen million dollars um, towards what they call the fair share amendment. And uh, actually, I went to check the filings again <laughs> to see if they had given more yeah. money since my story ran. And actually, they uh, the MTA gave another two hundred thousand dollars yesterday. Uh, uh, meanwhile, the other side. So um, wait, 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 is, I, uh, I just want to make sure yeah. I understood, Shirley. I think what you're reporting this morning is that. Proponents, you write the teachers groups account for an eye-popping 22 million yes. of the more right. than 26 million raised by the proponents, and you're Correct. saying that there was another 200,000 on top of that today. <laughs> yes, and and I have to tell you, Dan, when I first started reporting the story, yeah. uh, you know, it was it was uh, actually by the time I uh, you know updated the story Monday, the NTA had given. Two million, and then now two hundred thousand. So since I started reporting the story, they gave an extra two point two million dollars. Uh, oh. So so now I'm thinking like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, but um, but it's not just the MTA; it's also their national car- counterpart, the National Education yeah. Association. They're in it for uh, seven million dollars, and then there's some other other unions too, teachers unions that have um, also given smaller checks. So that's how I came up with um, totaled it to uh, twenty two million out of the 26 million proponents of race. Now, on the other side um, is uh, the opponents, largely led by the business community. And, um, and you would think that they would be the group that would out-raise, out right? Yeah. Uh, the the uh, the, uh, the proponents and the teachers, but um, when you when you look at this, uh, you know they raised thirteen point eight million dollars. There's a you know eleven million. You know there, there's quite a spread right uh, between the two, yeah. um, and basically six donors account for nearly half of the money for the opponents. Uh, Jim Davis, who's the chairman of New Balance. Uh, there's a, a couple named Paul and Sandy Edgerly. They've given two million dollars. Uh, Davis, I'm sorry, has given two million dollars. Um, John Fish, uh, the CEO of Suffolk Construction, he's given a million, and so has um, Bob Kraft, through his company, uh, has given uh, another million dollars. Um, and so, um, who would have thought that the teachers would outspend the the, the real mil- millionaires and billionaires? Um, yeah. But that's exactly what's happening in this race. Well, here's the other question I had is that, and I'm not an expert on this, but I know enough about it to be a little dangerous. I think that there's sort of sort of reporting deadlines, and, and sometimes uh, the, the politicians I know, they don't like to report too early. These, they're, they're pro- these are not final filings, Shirley, so each of these sets of numbers could increase when all oh, is said. Oh, and they're expected to increase. Yeah, they're yeah. they're expected to increase. I mean, you think about you you uh, it, you know even though the uh, uh, the the proponents have been ahead right in the polls, it's yeah. it's been high fifties, right? But it's still you know uh, when when you look at how many times um, voters have been asked to uh, change or, or to, to kind of fiddle with the income tax rate and yeah. and change the, the the flat tax, they rejected it. Every single time. And I think this is the sixth time. So it's going to be close. I think it's, this is closer than it's ever been. Um, and, um, and, and I think what happened was the teachers went in saying, we really want to win this. We are prepared uh, to spend a lot of money. And so they came out of the gate with a lot of money. They were first ones. Uh, they, they, their first TV ad went up in August. 
Um, and but it's not so. So I also asked, like, where does the money go? To, you know, how have they spent their the campaign money? Right. That um, and the campaign. This is the the yes campaign. I mean, they've knocked on some. Listen, I got to look at it here. Sorry, you know, I'm. I, I, this is half my bedtime. You know that, Dan? Oh, <laughs> and, and I so appreciate you staying staying up a little late. You <laughs> can we, sleep in yeah, in the morning. So, you have my permission. Yeah, that's well, right. So, so the money has been spent on not only TV ads, and they have at least eight TV ads. My next piece, uh, which is coming out tomorrow, is uh, my colleague um, and I, we watched at least 16 ads. <laughs> you know, eight from the yes side, eight yeah. from the no, no side, and we went through and, and you know, fact-checked them uh, yeah. for everyone. But anyways... They have, uh, you know, canvassing costs money too, right? Sure. And so uh, the 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 yes campaign, they've knocked on nearly eight hundred thousand doors. It's probably more by now. Uh, they made one point six million phone calls to voters. So they they they. It, it seems like the game plan all along was we are going to outspend the millionaires, um, and we are going to knock on many as many doors as we can and make as many phone calls as we can. Well, it's been it's been amazing to watch. Um, I suspect that when you add what you have now, which is 26 and 13, you're close to 40 million, and I suspect that in the closing days, it eventually will get up to about 50 million, and I wonder, uh, on, the, on the teachers' unions, uh, obviously there's a you know, the, like any major group of people, it, it, they're not unanimous, uh, and it's interesting that the teachers' union can can spend that amount of money on this um, this this proposal, which does have that little phrase in there. Um, uh, is it uh, subject to appropriation? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one another reason I set out to um, do this story is because I wanted to be able to call up the MTA and say, "What do you, you know, what do you want out of this? Why are you spending so much money?" Um, and I, it made me very curious, like, "What's your budget?" They wouldn't release their budget because yeah. I've got to think if you're going to spend 13 million or more in in a relatively short period of time and a one or two year period, you've got to plan for this. Um, and and now uh, I, I talked to Max. Page, who's the president of MTA, and he says, listen, this comes from, I was like, where does your money come from? He's like, this comes from the dues uh, yes. of our 115,000 members. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, <laughs> And uh, I was like, okay, and um, and and so um, so so they are they are uh, they're all in on this. And one of the other question I had was that um, you know this this surtax is supposed to go to education or transportation, and, and we can debate whether you know it will be gu- guaranteed to go to education. Yeah. Well, that was the phrase I was referring of, to. Subject to right, appropriation. right, uh, yeah. right. No, I actually think. Uh, it will go to education transportation. Will it represent an increase? Who knows? Um, and um, but but for me, I I don't write as much about education. I write more about transportation and our crumbling public oh, transit. Yeah, and I I'm a red line writer, and I've you know I've long you know chronicle red line woes. Have you and, ever had to jump out um, the window of a burning MBTA <laughs> car? That's the yeah, hopefully not. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Hey, Sheryl, look, uh, you, you, you have set the table for me very well with this. Um, 
I really I love your enthusiasm. I love your pieces, and and I read you know I read the business section right after the sports page. I want you to know the the oh, sports. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and then the business section, and then I go to the front page, and then I go to the metro page. Okay. All right, I love that. You got your priorities. <laughs> I think I do. I really think I do. Surely, I'd love to have you on again. Um, you know, obviously not between now and election, but if you don't mind, I'll bug you every once in a while and see if we can keep you up past your bedtime hour. Okay. So, but okay, sleep in in the you. morning. Thanks okay. Okay, I will. Okay, thanks for having me. Shirley Leung uh, of the Boston Globe, a business correspondent. And, you know, sometimes you go by the business page. That's always a mistake, folks. You never know. Um, I'm a union member, um, and I want my union dues uh, spent on contract negotiations uh, for the for the group i want it spent on whatever problems other union members might get into or a problem that i might get into if there has to be some sort of um, uh, meetings i want union representation um, but i'm not sure that it really is the appropriate uh, action and i didn't want to ask Shirley this because i don't think that's an area where she wanted to go but i don't think it is appropriate uh, for someone, for some organization, a union organization, uh, and in many cases, you have to be a member of the union and pay the dues, or you can't teach in that school system. Like I cannot be on WBZ Radio unless I am a member of AFTRA. I am a, a card carrying active member of AFTRA. I believe in AFTRA, um, and AFTRA has benefited me. Uh, and so, as a union member, I'm in favor of that. But at the same time. I get a little concerned when a union basically is this is spending money, spending funds uh, on behalf of what is arguably uh, political questions. Um, so uh, we, we're going to talk. We have another guest coming up uh, in just a moment, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, the impact. Uh, the guest is Paul Craney uh, of the Mass Fiscal Alliance, but we're also going to talk about a study that has just come out uh, of a uh, respected um, tax foundation, uh, and uh, it's a, it's a tax foundation report, which Paul will explain to us, and what sort of an impact that might have on businesses and um, and where they would rank Massachusetts as a business, as a state in which it would be a good thing to invest in and a good thing to bring new business to. We'll get to all of that and your phone calls. If you'd like to chime in on this from whatever perspective, 617-254-1030, 888-929-1030. Shirley explained the, the, the story very well as, 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 as well as she wrote it. We're going to continue with your calls and our conversation with Paul Craney right after this break. It's Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. All right, we're talking about the millionaire's tax, uh, and, and joining us now for the Mass Fiscal Alliance uh, is uh, Paul Craney. Paul, uh, thank you for joining us. We, we just ended up speaking with uh, Shirley Leung of the Boston Globe, who I thought set the, the, the question up very, very well. I hope you heard what Shirley had to say. I'm sure you read her piece in the Boston Globe this morning. I read the piece, and I listened to the interview. It's quite interesting. Yeah, a um, lot of money being spent here. Um, and so, first of all, do, do you want to comment on the amount? I mean, it, maybe I'm wrong here, but it seems to me that this uh, is a tremendous amount of money for any union, never mind a teacher's union, to spend on an, on an issue like this um, that, you know, normally 
I would think when you pay union dues, you you want it to go to um, to the negotiators, people negotiating contracts, to the staff. If there's any sort of a question about uh, that, you need to get answered about overtime pay and all of that. Um, to 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 dive into the deep end of the political pool with millions of dollars of teachers' dues who may or may not agree. Um, you know, there may be some teachers who agree with this and some who don't. Um, what's your thought on that preliminary question? Yeah, it's, I think that's the rub that a lot of uh, union members have, right? They, they, they're, they're willing to pay the dues so long as it helps the members uh, in their pace, place of employment. But the rub is obviously when the union bosses then take their dues money and spend it on, you know, political battles, ballot questions, or supporting candidates that maybe not all the union members really support. Um, you know, you see that play around all around the country, and Massachusetts is no different. I mean, we have to remember this is their seventh attempt at trying to change this constitutional protection, so they know it's going to be very expensive when they've already lost six other times. But there's a lot of um, there's a lot of money at stake on the yes side and obviously on the no side. But specifically with the yes side, with these teachers uh, unions uh, losing a lot of their income just so these union bosses can spend it however they want on this ballot question. Yeah, there's there's a lot at stake here. So um, let's there's you've alluded to a um, a tax foundation report. Explain to us what the tax foundation is, if you would. Yeah, it's really the gold standard for nonprofit tax policy work. Uh, they're nonpartisan, so they don't have a dog in the fight with Republicans or Democrats. And the same thing goes with states. They don't have a dog in the fight for what state. You know, they're not based in Massachusetts. They're based in Washington. They look at all 50 states. They're very often uh, called into Congress for their expertise. Uh, and one of the great things that they do is they do a lot of work with comparing the states and how competitive they are. And they, they put out some great um, maps, charts, graphs that are really easy for the average person to understand. And they've been doing this for years and years and years. And the reason why it's so relevant right now for us is because question one. Question one is something that the Tax Foundation looks at and similar kind of proposals in other states. So they just put out a uh, what they call a business tax climate index. And all that means is they take all 50 states and they rank them based off of how competitive they are for their businesses. Um, they look at about five different categories, which also includes an overall ranking, and they, they rate each state based off of data that they get from each of these states. Uh, one of them is the individual income tax rank. So obviously when we all pay taxes, we pay 5%. The same thing with businesses, they, they pay a tax, but every state is a little different. Some don't have taxes, some have flat taxes, some have a graduate income tax. But Massachusetts, uh, our tax actually ranks really high, meaning like a good thing. We actually rank number 11th best state in the entire country for income tax rank. So that would mean the, so. So there would be the the states that have no state income tax might rank above us. Yes. Okay, but there's a lot of other states that have a higher state um, income tax. New York and California, for example, and they would rank yes. below us. Okay. Yeah. In fact, um, I did a little analysis. You know, they have all 50 states. I just did a little search into New England, and. Um, 
We are ranked second best in New England. Obviously, New Hampshire's the first best at, at number nine. Massachusetts, uh, we're the 11th best state, but in New England, we're the second best state. And then we have a good amount of distance between Massachusetts and Rhode Island, Connecticut, Vermont, and Maine. Maine comes in third. They're the 23rd best state. Um, and then comes Rhode Island, 33rd, Vermont, 39, and Connecticut is number 47. And again, this is not the overall business tax ranking, which we hope to get into. This is just one of our Massachusetts best things that we have going for us, our income tax rate. It's protected in the state constitution. It's flat. It's very hard to change. Businesses love it because... They can predict the future. They can yeah. grow their business here. They know how much they're going to get taxed. And, 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 and so that means, just to keep it simple, and, and we've got to take a news break, and we'll come back, and we'll get to the bigger question, but just to keep it simple, in Massachusetts, if, let us say, you make $100,000 a year, um, you're a, uh, whatever you do, you're a great salesperson or whatever, 5% of $100,000, $5,000. If you're a... Um, uh, 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 a, a major league baseball player or a hockey player, and for some reason you're only making a million, you pay fifty thousand to Massachusetts. If you're a superstar uh, and you're making ten million a year, you pay a half a million. So it's 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 a per you know it, it's five percent no matter how much you make. And there are there's certain tax certain um, levels where there's no taxes. But keeping it simple, it's five percent of whatever you make. If you hit the the lottery for um uh, for a uh, hundred million dollars five percent of that million uh, five five million will go for the, to, to to Massachusetts it's always five percent the millionaires tax would increase it up to nine percent for people who make over a million dollars they would pay five percent up until a million so we're talking about then the additional four percent for for the million plus. We'll get to all of that, okay? And then we're going to get to this report, which I think is an amazing uh, report, and it shows the impact of what this question one, if passed, will have. Uh, with me is Paul Craney of the Mass Tax, uh, the Massachusetts Fiscal Alliance. We will be back. If you want to jump on board and talk to Paul between now and 10 o'clock, it is now time to dial. We have phone callers already there in front of you. 617-254-1030, 888-929-1030, 617-931-1030. You're on Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. Talking with Paul Craney of the Mass Fiscal Alliance. Okay, Paul, so let's go back and look at the... Um, this report done by the Tax Foundation. Is that a Washington-based group? or that's, That is a Washington-based group, is it not? Yeah, it's in Washington. That's, it's okay. probably one of the country's uh, most premier kind of tax uh, think tank okay. uh, that both sides of the aisle appreciate, and they use their research a lot. So they released a report focused on, quote, state business tax climate in all 50 states. And we are currently ranked... 34th in the country. But, yes. But there's a big but here. Go ahead. Yes, we are ranked, uh, like you said, 34th in the country, um, which is, you know, not great. And we have um, sunk only a few years ago, eight years ago. They go back eight years. We were actually number 26 and we went from 26 to 30, 35. Uh, and what they actually put out there was. They, uh, they, they're following question one because it's so unique just to Massachusetts. 
and they actually put out, the day they put out this report, they said if Massachusetts passes question one, we would drop another 12 um, spots down to 47th. So that's a fourth worst state in the entire country overall. Uh, so so, it's, so it's, if, it's, wait a second, if, if this passes, we will only be better from a business perspective. I guess that's what we're talking about, a business perspective. We would be only ahead of California, New York, and New Jersey. Three, that's it. Three fiscal basket cases. If yeah, and, and the amazing part is that, you know, they have this all out there, and they show, again, in 2014, that was only eight years ago. We were number 26. So look at that drop from number 26 to potentially 47. So on it's, a practical it's basis, remarkable. okay, on a practical basis, what does that mean for Massachusetts? Yeah, we, we could say, well, we're better than New York, California, New Jersey, but that's, that's not saying much. What does it mean from a practical basis? For example, when businesses are looking to relocate here, that's going to help us or hurt us? Well, I think that means when you're that low, compared to all 50 states, you're in free fall. That's what that means. That means people are just fleeing your state. Uh, that means other states are preying on your state, meaning that they are actively targeting all these businesses leaving. You hear that expression, shooting fish in a barrel. That's, that's what it's like in Massachusetts with these other states coming after our businesses. I mean, you look at New Hampshire, our north, and they have – uh, marketing plans just to lure people into their state, and it's obviously working right now. With question one passing, you know, it's going to be a competition for who can leave the state the quickest. Yeah, uh, and, and of course, fact, Governor, Governor Chris Sununu was on my show a few months ago, a couple of months ago, and he actually was urging people in Massachusetts to go ahead and, and, and vote yes on question one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's quite remarkable. I mean, again, if you're if you're in the top five worst states in the country, it's it's really bad. There's there's mass businesses leaving, and you know it's funny. I, I was just reading the newspaper, and this is just a little story. There's this place called the Owl Shop, O W L Owl Shop in Worcester, Massachusetts. Great story. It's located on Main Street, Worcester. Worcester is obviously the second largest city in Massachusetts, and in New England. And in New England, I'll have you know. Yes. And it's a third-generation business, started after World War II. They chose Main Street Worcester to open up shop. Three generations later, in the, in the Worcester Telegram Gazette, the owner is now moving his business to New Hampshire. And he was very public in his quote saying that the future is bright for their shop, but not in Worcester and not in Massachusetts. He's already sold his home in Massachusetts, and he's in the process of shutting down and going to New Hampshire. And so if you can't make it on Main Street, Worcester, where can you make it in the state currently? Yeah. And you're starting to see that. I spoke to another business owner today who said he's planning, just in case if question one passes, he's already bought land in New Hampshire in case he needs to get out of the state quickly. And it's not town. because they have anything to avoid, <laughs> but it's because New Hampshire, again, is in the top ten best states for business. Well, let's so get when the, you um, have Massachusetts to be about the right top next door, five right worst. next door, <laughs> exactly. Let, let, so let's get the phone calls here if I can. If I can, Paul, we got people lined up want to talk to you. Let's go first to Steve in Cambridge. Steve, you're on with Paul Craney of the Mass Fiscal Alliance, talking about the millionaires' tax here in Massachusetts. Go ahead, Dan. Well, well, I imagine any tax that someone doesn't pay, there's an inclination for that person to be in favor of it. 
So most citizens in Massachusetts won't pay that tax, so it's a tax that would probably be a popular tax, you know, tax the other guy type of thing. What yeah, I mean, if, 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 we ta- if we had a, a ballot question that said to tax everybody in Massachusetts an extra 10% who wasn't named, uh, who was named Steve, I- I'm all in on that, Steve. Sorry, only, only kidding. <laughs> right, Paul, yeah. do you think that's going to be a, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that will in- uh, affect mass voters? Well, I think the proponents are absolutely banking on that. And the founders of our, our state constitution, they put this as a protection because they knew there was such a temptation for politicians to pit one taxpayer group against another, tax one group and promise favors to another. Uh, but the thing is, Steve, I think there is hope. You know, this has been before the voters five other times with a very similar type of selling point. It's basically a graduate income tax. And eventually the voters here realized that hey, if we allow them to tax whatever group they want to tax right now, what happens when they're gone? Who's left? It's all of us. It's the middle class. And that's the biggest worry. I tell people all the time, even if you don't care about, uh, you know, small businesses uh, that want to sell for their retirement that are going to get taxed or home sales or the high-income earners, what happens when they're all gone and the state is going to come after us that are still left here? There's no one else to tax. They're gone. These taxpayers, they've, you know, they've gone in Hampshire and Florida. That means the middle class is left, and we're going to have to be paying for it. So well, I, I assume, am I correct in thinking that probably 50% of adults in Massachusetts don't pay any income tax? Oh, I don't, I don't know what the percentage is, but uh, I've, my guess is probably 20 to 30%, but I've, it, it is always really high. It's always eye-popping whenever you see those stats. You know, because I think people who make a lot of money are already paying their lion's share, so I don't really think it's a very fair thing. No, you're absolutely right. It's not fair, and and it always has an indirect impact because once these small businesses leave, like the owl shop in Worcester, what leaves with them? All those sm- all those jobs that make the backbone of our economy are the small mom and pop retail businesses. Paul, you know, the thank other you thing, for the work um, you're doing. The other thing that I wanted to mention real quickly was that uh, you can live in New Hampshire and you're 40, 35, 40 miles from Massachusetts, from downtown Boston. Um, and in this day of telecommuting, you can move anywhere. You move to Tennessee or Florida. Um, and, and not a problem. Not a problem. But if you want to live in New Hampshire, if you're just north of the border, you can come in and watch the Red Sox. You can come in and uh, go to the Bruins, the Celtics, the Patriots, whatever. Um, it's it's not like you, you, it, it takes you you know five hours to get out of Massachusetts. Um, yeah. And I just think you know I, I know how I feel about this, and Steve, I think I know how you feel about it. We agree uh, on this one, Dan. Huh? I said we agree on this one. Yeah, we agree on we agree on most things, to be honest with you. But I think the point you make is really important. And if you are somebody who is not impacted greatly by the state income tax. Well, it may end up costing people their jobs. I mean, I, why, why do you, why do you, what is, what's the phrase, gentlemen, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and Dan and Steve, I just want to say one other thing. The Tax Foundation uh, noted the impacts of COVID in 2000, 2021, because that, that basically accelerated this whole work from home that was kind of um, slowly progressing. And during that time period, 21 states cut their income taxes. 
13 states cut their corporate taxes because they realized people can work from home and home can be anywhere in the country. So they were trying to be competitive. Meanwhile, we did nothing in Massachusetts. So we were just sinking during that time period. Well, that, we well, that, might, have been why, that might have been why we, we were sinking during that period of time. Um, exactly. Steve, as always, I promise, I will, if they have a, a, a ballot initiative or a constitutional amendment to tax everyone named Steve an extra 10%, I won't vote for it even though... I thank you, Dan. Gentlemen, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Good Steve. Night. All right, we'll keep going here. We're going to take a quick break. My guest is Paul Craney talking about the millionaire's tax. We did, by the way, a debate, uh, a very fair and balanced debate on October 24th, which is uh, on Nightside on Demand. You can go listen to that debate, and if you favor the millionaire's tax and are listening, I'd love to have you join the conversation and, and challenge um, my guest, Paul Craney, of the Mass Fiscal Alliance. But all you have to do is go to nightsideondemand.com and you roll back. The the most recent hour, our show is posted every day, and generally the first hour is the 11 o'clock hour from the night before. So you can figure sort of in reverse, go back to October 24th. And it was a debate between Liz Speakman, uh, who's a regional uh, director for... Uh, mass fair share uh, she's involved yes on the question of the tax and on the other side was a Charlie Chippio uh, who uh, works uh, and writes for the Pioneer Institute so you can go listen to that on your way to work tomorrow or you can also call in right now and talk to Paul Craney at 617-254-1030 888-929-1030 and also two lines are open at 617-931-1030 I promise I can get you in if you'd like to continue this conversation uh, into the next hour, we're able to do that. I will tell you, we're going to have a, um, a brief conversation with Scott Brown right after the 10 o'clock news, uh, talking about what's going on in New Hampshire and what will be going on here in Massachusetts on Sunday. Back on Nightside with Paul Craney of the Mass Fiscal Alliance. You're on Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. Okay, the phones have lit up here. Let's try to get everybody in. Going to go next to Paul down at the Cape. Paul, welcome. Next on Nightside with uh, Paul Craney. Go right ahead, Paul. What's your comment or question? Uh, hi, Dan. Like you, I read the sports page as well, and I saw a story last week on uh, Tyreek Hill. Pretty good football player. Go. Wish we had players like him here in New England. I know what you're going to tell us. Go ahead. Yeah, he was he was considering going to the Jets, and he's making $30 million this year, but he decided he had to make a grown-up decision. He decided to go to the Dolphins because the Jets was 10.7 or 10.8 state income tax or city tax or the rest of the stuff there. And um, it, it, down in Florida, of course, it's, uh, it's no income tax. But yeah. Well, if there, I, are, if there are sports fans who are interested in really good players, which means highly compensated players coming to the Patriots, the, the Bruins, the Celtics, the Red Sox, or the Revolution, this could, this could factor into <laughs> when well, the next time we see a World Series. There's that end of it. There's, but the people that they work for or, and so many other business people, they make these guys look like you know, chump change. You know, I, I don't mean to sneeze at $30 million, but... A lot of these people are going to get up and leave. So I, I think you know, 5% of something is way better than 9% of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that, Paul. Well, well said. And I mentioned Tyreek Hill to someone the other day as well. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he also said the weather's nicer in Miami. During the, the it's something to be said there, too. But, uh, <laughs> I think, thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. 
Take care, Dan. Bye-bye. Thanks. Paul Craney, I know you and I have talked about that. George in Boston. George, want to get you and one more in. Go ahead, George. All right. Uh, I have a question for both uh, you and your um, your guest. Do either of you know what the sting tax is? What a sin tax is? Yes, sting, I know what a sin tax is. Is that, was that your question? The sting tax. Oh, the sting tax. I'm sorry. I thought you said a sin tax. Uh, I, I'm unaware that. I'm told, do you know what a sting tax is? Yes, but I kind of forgot it now. Go ahead. Give it to us. Uh, go, give it to us, George. All right. Most of the uh, legislators are lawyers. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So in their goodness, the past attacks when... Uh, the government allowed uh, businesses to go sub-S, which meant if you owned a bunch of restaurants or a restaurant or uh, a, a dry-cleaning agency or several, yep. and you made $500,000. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. If it were Chapter C Corporation, you had to pay 40% on the first, the 500 then your income tax was another 40%, and the state was taking 5%. Yeah. A sting tax now is if you have a business that has $5 million in sales, you don't get the right to go sub-pass and let them pass through to you. So I have to pay 5% tax on my business, plus because I have more than $5 million in sales, 4%. So currently my personal income tax is 9%. And myself and many, many, many other businesses. For 9% from $0. Yes. Now, if I have a good business and I've worked my ass off and reinvested my profits, hired more people, paid them, given them health insurance, they're going to tax me another 4% on those extra businesses so my personal tax is now going to be 13%. Great. I am getting the hell out of here. Well, you know, you should, and, and, and I, I think that's a tragedy, and uh, you you should be 
you should be a spokesperson for the anti-millionaires tax because you're going to take a lot of jobs with you. Um, and I don't blame you. I don't blame you, George. No, I'm going to create new jobs, but they'll be somewhere else. You betcha. You betcha. George, thanks very much. Uh, drop me a note, and, and uh, maybe I can do something uh, on that issue. Uh, stay on the line. It, let um, Rob give you my direct line at BZ. Call me, and I'll call you back, okay? And if I can help you out, right. I'd like to, okay? All stay right, right there. Get, Rob will give you my direct line. Let me go to JJ in, uh, in Winchester. JJ, next on Nightside. Go right ahead. Okay. Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. And so, as a libertarian, taxes is, is an important freedom issue issue for me. And so, my question is: um, given that taxes grow because government appetite grow, and normally when government appetite grow, it's because the culture or the people's appetite for government is growing. So, how do we educate people to want less government, and we won't have to worry about more taxes? That's why we have libertarians like you, JJ. I don't know, Paul, that you could give JJ a succinct answer there, but I understand his point. Yeah, I mean, JJ, we have a few days to go, so what I would encourage you to do is talk to as many friends, neighbors, coworkers as you can to educate them and vote no on question one, which will be the seventh uh, rejection of this graduate income tax, and we can slow down the, the, the sensational appetite of government spending. I think that's how we do it. We have a few days left to go, and the word has to get out about how this will negatively impact all of us in the state, even if you don't make that much money. It has indirect consequences, and we know that. And do you guys have any curriculum that you can put into, you know, schools or get into the hands of parents? Because yeah, good luck with good luck to, get, with that. <laughs> Got to teach them at a young age how <laughs> economics works. Because yeah, so many I mean, it'd be great if you could get economics and civics in schools, and and they don't want that. They 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 want a whole bunch of other courses. They want seven hundred genders. That's what they want. And, and, but they and don't pronouns. Want and pronouns. It's <laughs> as simple as that. <laughs> JJ, thanks. Thank I got to run. Okay, I'm up at ten. You called late as always. We'll talk to you soon. I'll give you more time Thank if you good. call early. Thank you, Paul. Good night, Bye-bye. Paul Crady. How can folks get in touch with the Mass Fiscal Alliance here? Yeah, please check out massfiscal.org. M a s s fiscal.org. You can support us. Uh, we operate through the generosity of people donating to us. We can accept personal and corporate donations, and we gladly will use them. So we can educate the public on these important tax issues. Even when there's not an election around, we are out there banging the drum, trying to hold our lawmakers accountable at the Massachusetts State House so that the All taxpayers... Right. All right, Paul, with that, i got to end the hour because we are flat up against the 10 o'clock news. Thanks, Paul. Keep working. We'll talk soon. We're coming back right after the 10 with former Massachusetts State Senator Scott Brown. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 